This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Peter Klein. Hour two, Sportsnet Today rolling on on this Monday. Yes, Logan and primetime Peter Klein of the Couch Potato Diary. What up? Along with you. We're in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, cracked foundation, flowing foundation walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. For all things basement, you visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hour one of the program was all things Calgary Flames at the All-Star break, 49 games into the season. Me and PK gave you our thoughts on the direction of the team, trade value of the pending UFAs as we sit past game 49. So make sure you check it all out on the podcast. Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. We're kicking off hour two going in a different direction we're gonna chat some nfl the super bowl matchup is set it's brock purdy and the san francisco 49ers versus patrick mahomes and the kansas city chiefs and whenever we talk nfl on mondays time to bring in one of our favorite guests on the atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline for nfl takeaways up at sportsnet.ca right now for your look back on a fun weekend of football it's Emily Sadler along with us. Hi, Emily. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you guys doing? We are really good. Uh, excited for this chat. I've been ready to talk football. I, mean, I feel like it's like 24 hours now. As soon as anything happens, I'm <laughs> writing things down that I want to bring up with you on the chat. But uh, immediate reaction to you. How excited are you for San Francisco, Kansas City? Yeah, I'm pumped for it. I think when, if I think back to the beginning of the season, those were definitely two teams that I don't know if I can, I can't say I predicted it, but I can say that that's a matchup that I wanted to see. And so I do think we are, we really are seeing like two of the very best teams go head to head. So I'm excited about it. Let's start uh, with the AFC side of things. I think for a lot of people who, and look, it's happened before when teams go on, long stretches of success you start to cheer for anybody to beat them and I feel like that's the position the Baltimore Ravens were in on Sunday where somebody please upset the Kansas City Chiefs and stop them from another Super Bowl run but uh, the Chiefs had a good plan to contain Lamar Jackson and really didn't face much of a threat in that game how did you see that one between the Ravens and the Chiefs? Yeah, it definitely, it didn't necessarily go um, as I thought, just in terms of the final score, right? I mean, when you're, when you have Mahomes against Lamar Jackson, like you just expect this to be, you know, blow for blow, like let's have a total barn burner. But of course, this was also a matchup between two of the top defenses in the league. And we definitely really saw that. Um, I think with Kansas City, like you saw this similar trend of, they get out to these hot starts, right? Maybe not so much in the second half of the game, and that's a testament to how the Baltimore Ravens' defense uh, really stepped up. But it really was all about the Chiefs' defense in this one with just really containing Lamar and really early on kind of setting this precedent, like, if you think you're going to run all over us, you're wrong, and, and sort of forcing him to you know, look for these throws that weren't really there because of how strong the Chiefs' secondary is. And so it really was... Um, it's funny to look at this game and, and think that the Chiefs were the underdog just because of their their success. Like, of course, the Ravens go into this as the number one seed, the team that should have won. But the better team, I do think, did prevail. And I, I think with Baltimore, too, they were just 
they were undisciplined. They, it was a really chippy game, and they just sort of lost their composure, which is unfortunate to see because, of course, you do want to see a team as good and as um, as complete as the Ravens go as far as they possibly can, but they just didn't have it yesterday. It, it did kind of seem like Baltimore checked all the boxes on the how to lose to Patrick Mahomes checklist, right? Like <laughs> dumb penalties really that fair. give them basically gave them three points, uh, turnovers at brutal times, the, uh, like two basically in the end zone, um, end up costing them the game. So were you surprised to, to see a Baltimore team kind of lose their minds in that, that sort of a way against what appeared to be the much more composed Kansas City Chiefs? Yeah, I have to say I was. And, you know, we talk about uh, playoff experience a lot, and I know it's sort of one of those overused storylines and maybe a convenient storyline too, right? You can apply it to whatever your point is. You can say, hey, they have all the experience. They know how to win. And at the same time, you can say, well, look at the Packers. They were playing with house money a couple weeks ago. But I think in this case, we saw the experience translated to composure. But at the same time, I, I was surprised to see just from some of the more veteran players on Baltimore that they really lost that composure. Um, you know, it's unfortunate to see the you know, the Zay Flowers kind of total breakdown in the third and fourth quarter there with the the taunting penalty and then the uh, touchback and just all of that kind of go on and then his sort of uh, injuring his finger on the sideline because of how frustrated he was. But I was definitely surprised to see, like, a team that has shown so much. Um, they've just really locked down opponents throughout the season, and they've done it seemingly with ease and so maybe I shouldn't have been so surprised to see them sort of air those frustrations when things weren't going their way after a season where very much like most things did go their way so it was definitely a bit surprising to see in that sense Um, but I'm not surprised to see that on the other side of it the Chiefs kind of had control the whole time you know they've been here before. Looking at this game all the analysis throughout the week was Kansas City struggles against the run Baltimore runs really, really well. Like you, you would hear the stats all week, Kansas City 28th in EPA per run, Baltimore it is Baltimore. And then you look at the stats at the end of the game, uh, Gus Edwards carried the ball three times, had an, a yards per carry of 6.7, and they kind of just stopped. Uh, do you think that was something that Kansas City going up early takes Baltimore out of their game plan? Or was that just not a part of the strategy for Baltimore going into this one? Yeah, it's a good question. I think it's a lot more of the Chiefs kind of making a statement early, early on and shutting down that run game. And, and then they themselves, you know, running, really kind of taking control of their own running game. And it, 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 was, it was a surprising game plan to see. Like, it was surprising to see, you know, in, in certain moments, um, Lamar Jackson, you know, rather than doing what Lamar does best, which is running and being this, like, cheat code, right? he was sort of overthinking some of those throws. You could, you saw, you know, the analyst sort of breaking down, like he was taking so much time to throw and he was still kind of looking for the throw rather than take the running lane. And so I do think it was really a masterclass in how to shut down the Baltimore Ravens, how to kind of make them get in their own way essentially. And sort of, I think we saw Lamar Jackson kind of overthinking some of these, um, some of these looks, maybe being confused by what he was sort of seeing from the defense a lot of really good game planning there by the Chiefs and just, yeah, really taking the Ravens completely out of their element. I wonder to that point, Emily, if maybe if you're the Baltimore Ravens, sometimes you rely too much on Lamar Jackson just being able to do that and going back to the traditional, you know, 
as Peter mentioned, you know, the, they only run the ball eight times, period, away from Lamar Jackson. Like, I wonder if you're Harbaugh, if you're like, okay, maybe if Lamar doesn't have it, you need to go back to the run game and try to to get back to that spot because I just don't know that you can, as fun as he is and as dangerous as we've seen him be, there are going to be teams that find a way to at least slow Lamar down when it comes to running the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. And, and it is an interesting kind of case study, right? Because when Lamar runs a whole lot, we sort of, yeah, we enjoy the highlights, but then there's always that element of like, okay, well, let's see him do other things, right? Let's see him air the ball out. Um, and then this season, if there was a lot more emphasis on the on the um, sorry the passing game and and also like supporting him in the run game with other weapons around him. And so it was kind of interesting. Like it's it's hard to know what the right answer is, right? Because you mm-hmm. have this incredible talent, but at the same time, when you use him too much in the run game, you're kind of criticized for like, well, you're just leaning on him and he's going to get injured. And so. Yeah, definitely kind of an interesting conundrum, and I'll be really interested to see sort of what they do this offseason to kind of will they sort of keep going in that trajectory of, no, no, we're going to really be looking to um, up our passing game, or if they'll kind of go a little bit maybe more back to their run game rate. Uh, for everything, everybody talking about, you know, the Chiefs not having a lot of passing weapons outside of Travis Kelsey and, you know, the, the days of Tyreek Hill being there and having all these dynamic options for Patrick Mahomes have kind of gone. If Patrick, if, excuse me, if Travis Kelsey is the only weapon there, teams sure have done a pretty poor job of making sure that he can't <laughs> impact a game. He has 11 receptions, 116 yards. Kyle Hamilton was supposed to be the guy that doesn't let tight ends do this to him. And on the first drive, he went and did that to him. And it just kind of set up the night. I don't know what else to say about Travis Kelsey. There's a reason he's going to the Hall of Fame. But, I mean, even in these big games, Emily, where you know you have to stop Travis Kelsey, you still can't really stop him if you're the other team. Yeah, it's it's stunning, right? It's totally like we all know whom the homes is looking for, especially when he ends up sort of in those scramble plays. Like no one is better at getting open than Travis Kelsey when it comes to that connection with Mahomes. And yet, as you just said, like it, this was a testament to his skill, right? The Ravens can put literally their best defender on Travis Kelsey. And it doesn't matter. He is still going to find a way. And I think really early on in this game, too, just the number of times that Mahomes went to Kelsey and just a, a testament to, okay, first play of the game, I'm going to my guy. Uh, a really gutsy fourth and two, go for it call, going to Kelsey. And then, as you said, that touchdown, we're really like, there was nothing the Ravens could do on that one. It was it was well defended, but it was also like Kelsey was the better player in that matchup. And so definitely one of those connections where even if you know it's coming, <laughs> that's too bad. He's probably going to still make the play. And it's really fun to watch. And I, you know, we'll, we're, I'm sure a big talking point in the next couple of weeks is going to be, you know, how many more of these runs does Kelsey have in him? And I hope he has a lot more because they're just so fun to watch. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the San Francisco 49ers go about their business and trying to, to slow down that connection between Mahomes and Kelsey. And speaking of the 49ers, uh, they use a massive second-half comeback to usurp the Detroit Lions and end what was one of the funnest storylines of the season. But I'm curious, Emily, did you 
feel at any point like this one was over? Did you feel the momentum of Detroit had you thinking that, hey, maybe this was it for San Francisco? Did you feel a comeback in the works from the 49ers on Sunday? I, okay, I'm trying to think back to, like, my mindset, and I remember at the half being, like, so disappointed about the game because (laughs) I was like, what is happening here? Like, this is so strange. And I have to say, like, I was, I was pumped about the Lions, but then, of course, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Lions fan, but here I am, like, just feeling heartbroken for them, and it's one of those outcomes where, like, had the Lions just sort of been blown out from the start, or not even blown out, but just, you know, just a tidy, like, 21 to 14 loss, you know, losing the whole time, we would be commending the Lions, right? We would be today, we talking about what an amazing story that was. But of course now it's like, oh my God, it's so painful that like they had it. They could have had it. It's the blown lead and the fact that they were winning and they should have won that game. Um, but I think maybe with a little bit of time, we'll sort of take a step back and, and recognize that was an incredible run and also recognize that as hard as it is to get back to that point, I think they will be back. There's at least one Lions fan who bought Vegas tickets at halftime, right? Like there's there there is at least somewhere where they had Super Bowl <laughs> plans made. I gotta get ahead of the price point, yeah. gotta, before yeah. it all gets expensive. <laughs> I gotta do that, right? There's gonna be some Honolulu blue in the stands. <laughs> there have to be. <laughs> A lot of the conversation around, specifically the Detroit side of this, is decisions made by Dan Campbell and how they manage the fourth downs and how they manage the the goal to go situation at the end of the football game. Uh, when when dishing out the blame pie of the Detroit Lions loss, how big of a piece do you think Dan Campbell deserves to get for this one? Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot today and and also sort of listening to other opinions on it. And and I really land kind of, this may be a boring answer, but I kind of land somewhere in the middle because on the one hand, yes, it was it was almost like, you know, you've got this this Dan Gamble persona, right? Where like it was uncharacteristic kind of to see him go for the field goal at the end of the the first half there when he maybe could have just tried to go for a few more points, but then at the same time, it's just a game of what ifs, right? And it always is with Campbell. And so I think I I definitely, you know, you do have to dish out blame, but I kind of want to dish out a little bit more praise than blame in this case, just because, you know, all season long, he's been the guy who goes for it on fourth down. He makes some potentially, I don't know if unconventional is really the right term because he's had a lot of success, but you know, he, he sticks to his guns. He trusts his team. He trusts his decisions. And even after the game yesterday, he said, I know I'm going to get a lot of criticism and I still stand by it. I, I, I stand by my decisions. And so, yes, of course the head coach is going to get some blame. And of course you can kind of look back and say, "Mm, he really should have taken the points when he could in the second half. And in the first half tried to push for a little bit bigger of a lead, but I, I look a little bit more at, okay, his track record was to go for it, and he got there. He got them to this point with the strategy, and so I kind of commend him for just staying true to himself and true to his team, and I would maybe direct blame a little bit more to some of the players for just some missed catches, right? They saw, we saw some drops in the second half, and so there's so many things, as in any game, that you can kind yeah. of point to as something that really altered the final score there. Yeah, Reynolds makes that catch. We're not having this conversation. Um, and we're probably, exactly. th- those people who bought the tickets to Vegas are actually going to Vegas now. Um, but with, 
the the, the one that they got might me, still be going to they Vegas. Might still. Yeah, no, it that's might fair. Just I mean, be a very much more depressing outcome than they thought. I'd rather be in Vegas than Detroit <laughs> in February. Well, that's so that's, fair. That, yeah. that's that's where I would go. Um, the the one that got me the the fourth downs like it's it's part of what they do and it's part of what what they've done right like I wouldn't have done at least one of them but I I can at least squint and understand it the third and goal run is the one that really bothered me because like if if you've played Madden you know like you just you need all three timeouts there once you take that timeout you you've kind of just lost that was the one that that kind of got me yeah yeah I think there's so many parts of that game that you just yeah, it's impossible, right, to right. not sort of play that what-if game and and just looking at all the different elements. I mean, really, if you, it's in, in games like this too, right, I always do the – I know it's just like semantics. It's like, okay, did the 49ers win or did the Lions lose? Yeah. <laughs> and I am of the mindset that the 49ers really, like, this is, again, earlier earlier in this conversation we talked about experience, and I really do think that in the, in the case of the 49ers, so many of these players have been there before, and the fact that, like, we've seen this play out time and time again, where a team goes out to an early lead, and then they just kind of hold back, and then they start to get a little nervous, and they're playing really tight. And we saw with the 49ers... They came out and they were like, there are points on the board to be scored and they're going to be scored by us. And so I think it's a little bit more of the 49ers taking the game away and the Lions seeing that and sort of playing up tight um, more so than any one play. And, of course, a crazy football gods, uh, (laughs) crazy, crazy catch by Brandon Ayuk, who uh, I think he – in the I loved his postgame – interview where he said, well, a ladybug landed on my shoe prior to the game. <laughs> no, I, I, I heard <laughs> I Purdy call bank on that one. Really so that just, it just worked. Yeah. charming thing I've ever heard. Of. <laughs> uh, so now we look ahead to the Super Bowl Sunday. It's the number one seed in the NFC, the number three seed in the AFC. Early line surprised me a bit as we were getting ready for today. I've seen San Fran favored by a point and a half. So almost a, a pick em. I don't know, like, how I feel about San Francisco specifically heading into this game because it's a great comeback win against a very good Lions team. Emily, we spent last week talking about how, you know, this team probably feels like they got away with one against Green Bay and we're looking to, you know, sort of right that wrong in this game. And I got to be honest, going up against a team like Kansas City, we talked about with all that playoff experience, I was a bit surprised to see the 49ers on the uh, favored side of this, even early on as we wait two weeks for the next football game? Yeah, I do find that a little bit surprising. Um, definitely, I mean, this habit that they have, it, it, it's funny, right? Because all season long, the 49ers have really not been dealing with, you know, having to play from behind and now two playoff games in, and they've done it, and they've done it both times. And I think try to do it a third, and I don't know if you can make that comeback. I don't know if you can come back against the Chiefs just with that defense, and we know that, um, you know, the Chiefs aren't necessarily known for piling up the points in the second half, but they are known for locking down their defense. And so I am definitely surprised to see um, the sort of betting odds uh, favor the 49ers a little bit, although I love that it's obviously graded as a very close game so i hope that's what we're gonna get (laughs) yeah fingers crossed that that part of the uh equation comes together i'm curious when you look at it on paper what are the matchups that intrigue you 
the most? Like, is this truly in your mind? Is this Ayuk versus Mahomes? Is this player X versus player Y? How do you see these matchups sort of going down between the key players on both sides? Yeah, it's a great question. I think I'm looking at, yeah, I think I'm looking at, I mean, definitely when we talk about the run game with both teams, they're, they're both very, very good at finding those opportunities and understanding the situations where you just have to sort of like ground and pound it out. Um, I will definitely be looking also just at kind of, this is a boring answer, but kind of the line play, to be honest with you, because when you look at both teams' defensive lines, the 49ers have kind of been underperforming in that sense, but they have some incredible talent there. And so I'll be looking at sort of how teams sort of navigate pressures where they decide to go for the blitz um, and that sort of thing. But, of course, you cannot um, cannot talk about this game without talking about, you know, your Travis Kelsey versus maybe, say, a Dre Greenlaw or something like that. Um, and just kind of looking at those sorts of matchups. And I'm really, really uh, looking forward to seeing how Legereus Sneed is used. He came up huge against the Ravens. He's been amazing all season. Um, he's also looking at his contract situation, and he will be a free agent. So he's got um, extra, extra incentive here. So, yeah, looking at sort of how he's used, if he sort of gets the Brandon Ayuk assignment, if he's on the Debo Samuel assignment. So definitely a lot of intriguing matchups that – um, I'm kind of glad that we have two weeks to look at this one because there's so much to kind of go over and just see like, okay, where are those, where are those really intriguing matchups that we're going to be seeing? Uh, but more importantly, do you think Reba McIntyre's national anthem will be over or under yeah, 89 okay. and a half seconds? Why and uh, what color do we think the Gatorade's going to be? We have to talk about something next week, Peter. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, you got to save some, right? <laughs> right. Sorry. We, there's a lot of uh, study and work that needs to go yeah, into Sorry, this. Emily. Uh, what time in the first quarter do you think yeah. Taylor Swift will arrive after her flight from Japan? Yeah. Okay, so I've, like, totally been seeing so much about this. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, there's so much that I need to read up on. Clearly, these are the important stories that we need to know. I mean, she has a private jet, so I feel yeah. like, you know. It's not going to be a problem, right? I already saw someone scouting, like, well, Reva McIntyre <laughs> sang the anthem at the 96 Olympics, and that one was 92 <laughs> seconds. So yeah. I think we can kind of base off of this. So. We, we got I some film work to do here. That apparently, Reba McIntyre is singing the anthem, so clearly I have homework to do. <laughs> Me and Peter are degenerates, yeah. so don't don't base your normal. We do this every year because we're just the lowest of human beings. But don't yeah. feel maybe, don't feel sad that you've missed out. Week, maybe next week I just have to ask you guys all the questions. You, you can you absolutely can if you <laughs> want the list that Usher is going to do at, at halftime. What song he's going to lead off of and. <laughs> Which one I'm going to understand is yeah, and the rest I'm going to guess at. I can go through all of those. <laughs> yeah, I'm even trying to think, like, okay, how many songs can I even name? I know it's going to be one of those halftime shows where literally every song that he starts, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know this one. I remember this one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Emily, you're the best. Uh, your uh, latest articles up at sportsnet.ca. Uh, we'll have lots to chat with you again next week, but thanks for hopping on with us again. Thanks so much. This was fun. Yeah, you're the best. Emily Sadler joining us. Sportsnet.ca, her latest look at the uh, conference championships uh, is up at Sportsnet.ca. Also does great work covering the PWHL uh, for Sportsnet as well. And yeah, we talked about this a bit earlier, PK, uh, before we got on the air. Maybe it's not the result that everybody wanted. But I still think we're talking about two good teams that should make for a pretty entertaining Super Bowl. Yeah, this is going to be a... a <clears throat> 
I'm choked up about it already. It's, uh, it's okay. It's going to be time. a fantastic football game. Like it, it was, it, it was the team that no one was cheering for against the team that no one was cheering for. Exactly. Yeah. Um, like you, you have San Francisco. I don't know why everyone's down on San Francisco. Like it, it's kind of, it, it, it's a neat story with Mr. Irrelevant. The rest of the team is really good. Like, are we just burned out on Kyle Shanahan? I'm not totally sure. I understand the Kansas city side of it. You, you, a hero lives long enough to become the villain Batman reference sort of a thing. But I, I, I look at this game. I think there's intriguing matchups all over the place. As someone who loves breaking down the X's and O's of this kind of stuff, um, caught myself there. Uh, there, I, I am very, very excited to, to to go into this one and, and figure out where the, the different edges are. So I am fired up for for this Super Bowl here. There's so yes, a, I, I'm I'm big on this one. There's a ton. Who's going to cover Travis Kelsey? Can they slow him down? Can Nick Bosa be a disrupting force like the Buccaneers had against? Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs a couple years ago, uh, that was clearly a big thing. There's so, you know, is Debo, how do you slow down Debo if you're the, the Chiefs? He looks healthy again. And yeah. when the Niners have Debo and Ayuk and Kittle and McCaffrey going, yeah. Purdy doesn't have to be great. And then and, the catch of the day is Jennings going up with one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, something <laughs> stupid like that. That's always how it's sports ridiculous. goes. Uh, this is the Sports Drive at 5, and it's brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. Taking a look at the future of the Flames next, William Stromgren of the Calgary Wranglers joins us to uh, finish the show off. That's next with Logan PK here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Logan Jordan, Peter Klein along with you. Wrapping up hour two of the program on this Monday. And it's time for the future of the Flames brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they intend to empower cancer patients, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. And very excited to go down the Atlas Peach and Sports Bar guest hotline to chat with our next guest. It is Calgary Wranglers forward and second round draft pick of your Calgary Flames in the 2021 draft. William Stromgren joining us this afternoon. William, thanks for the time, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're doing good, pal. Uh, appreciate you hopping on with us this afternoon. You guys have been uh, busy out in California. Just finished up a couple games against the uh, San Jose Barracuda. Picked up a win and uh, had one loss there. How do you feel you guys did in San Jose? Uh, I think we had an improvement. Uh, since the uh, games before that, we have <laughs> we were in a little losing streak there, but I think we, we kind of find our game again now. So uh, it's been it's been good. Nice to have a win coming uh, into Talk to me about your assist yeah. there. You had a big uh, assist on the power play on the winning goal uh, by Jonathan Aspro. How did you see that one? Uh, yeah, it was a power play. It was a good power play. Um, kind of key for us to get that power play going and uh, good shot by him. Uh, Snickle in, so it's good. How's the season been for you? Your first uh, real pro season, first lengthy pro season over playing North American pro hockey. How's it been for you so far? Uh, I would say it's been good. Um, everything's uh, great. Uh, you can see a lot of places in this league, and I mean our team's a uh, ton of great people, and you learn a lot from all the guys in the team. And I feel like after this new year, it's been going better and better, getting more comfortable. Uh, so yeah, it's been great. Uh, we've seen a, a few of your teammates come up to the the big club and have quite a bit of success so far this season. Uh, is that something that you notice when guys who you're playing with go up to the, the NHL and really start to thrive? Like, huh, guess I, I could be doing that too. Does that give you a bit of confidence seeing how well they do? 
Well, yeah, I mean, also, like, it says a lot about the club. They want to play young guys, and uh, they get the opportunity. If you if you do well, you stay up there. And then you can see Saar and um, Renato's been up and down a little bit, but uh, Pospisil, too. Like, those guys have been doing great up there. But, yeah, I, think, I, think, I would say it gives me confidence for it, yes. Um, as as Logan was saying, that this is the the first real extended run. A couple of games with Calgary last year, but has anything surprised you about either your time here in Calgary or in the American Hockey League? Uh, no, I mean it's different um, than Sweden for sure. Yeah, I kind of saw it as you said, kind of saw it those games and the time I was here last year uh, with that team. But uh, yeah, I mean it's different now when you're playing full time here and like. It's faster hockey. It's um, more exciting hockey to play, I'd say, than Sweden. But uh, yeah, I just it's been fun so far. Uh, I like it a lot. So um, yeah, it's been great. Yeah, just a little more on that one. What's the biggest difference you say between jumping to the AHL from a league like the like the SHL that you played in in Sweden? Is it mostly speed, or is it is it size as well of players? What's kind of the biggest difference between Swedish hockey and the hockey you've played here in North America? I would say it's more uh, the playing style. I mean, uh, it also depends on the rink. It's a smaller rink here. Uh, don't have plenty of time as in Sweden. You can make more plays in Sweden, I would say. But yeah. uh, here, in, here in the AHL and, and the leagues here, like it creates a lot when it's a smaller rink too. Like Everything happens so fast, but often if you're ready for it, you get more chances to score and more chances to create offense in Sweden because it's more more defensive in Sweden because the bigger rink and you kind of have to be at the perfect spot all the time, but just like a bobbled, bobbled pucker and here in AHL can be a two and one, maybe be a goal. So I'd say just faster and more, as I said, more fun hockey to play. And so I think that's the biggest difference. Is that something you can prepare for? Uh, but before you come over here, like you said, playing in Sweden, bigger ice surface, you get drafted by the flames. You probably have a pretty good idea at, smaller ice surface could be in my future at some point. Is, is that something you can prepare for, or do you kind of just have to play it to know it? I, I'd say both. Uh, I mean, you can... I think I worked a lot on it when I was in Sweden for my last year there. I was just trying to go more to the net, try to be more inside and kind of be in, in Sweden inside the dots because that's kind of how the game is played here. Uh, so I'd say just... You can definitely prepare for it, but uh, I think it also helps the player. Uh play every game on the small rink. So it's a little bit of both, I'd say. Have you had a, a coach or a player that's really helped you with that transition, William? Like, uh, I think obviously of Trent Call and his time as a head coach, but has there been anybody in the Flames organization, either with the, the big club or with the Wranglers, that you've talked to about that transition from the, the Swedish League to the AHL a lot? I wouldn't say, like, I, I've been chatting with, like, a guy, a special guy for, but I would say like my teammates, uh, all the coaches. And then, I mean, we have a lot of Swedish guys and in, in the flames too. And yeah. so I would say just trying to take in as much information as you can. Uh, Cause it's your first year and you're trying to learn how to be your best, best player you can. So I just listen to everybody and see how, cause most of the guys have been here, like been here for a long time and they like have found a way to, have success in so just kind of listen to them uh, ask them questions and just gather all, all the information you can 
what about lifestyle out here? Uh, coming out to, to North America for the first time. I haven't heard many people compare Calgary to Sweden. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure if there's a lot of similarities there, but uh, has there been any kind of adjustment moving out to Calgary here for the first time? Uh, I would say no. Uh, hmm. From my hometown in Sweden, uh, it is kind of a similar weather. Maybe, uh, I mean, it's not as cold as Calgary when it's <laughs> at its worst, but... Uh, <laughs> For sure, I think it's the same. Sweden is a pretty cold country in the winter, so it's been it's not a big adjustment, so like like that. But uh, I'd say it's fine. Transferred nicely. Uh, what's it been like? Uh, I mentioned Trent Call and the the coaching staff at the the AHL level. What's it been like uh, working with them? And what's kind of been their message to you as you go through your first season with the Wranglers? I mean, just working hard, uh, taking every day is your last and like try to be at your best every day, trying to get better. Cause as, as everybody say, you're young, you're always, you're only young right now. And so trying to get better and trying to get more into this, uh, playing style as we talked about. And I mean, it's just trying to help me be, be the best player I can. So yeah, it's been, been a lot of help there. Has it been an interesting year for you guys as a team, just knowing, You've had some injuries to some of the key veterans. Peter mentioned earlier about all the guys that have come up. Like you guys haven't had a lot of stability. I'm sure you found yourself playing with a lot of different guys and maybe on getting different opportunities than you maybe thought you would heading into the season. Yeah, that's how hockey is, though. Like uh, yeah. injuries happen easily, and I mean, you just have have to just um, talk openly with the guys. Uh, Trying to see if you play with different guys, just talk to them, like see what what they want, just trying to be, be as simple as possible in the first couple of games with the guys. So I, would, I wouldn't say it's too hard. Um, but, I mean, as you said, like, the stability isn't, isn't always the best in hockey. Like, people go up and down and it makes them, makes them the lines up. But uh, I think we're kind of used to it as hockey players, just kind of seeing different lineups uh, if players are injured and stuff like that. So... I don't see it as a big problem. I don't know. Uh, who's kind of uh, been your, your biggest help uh, as you've come over to North America, William? Who've you, uh, you kind of you have a roommate that you go to a lot? You've made good friends with anybody in the Wranglers team? Who's kind of been your, your go-to guys here in Calgary? Well, first of all, I would say uh, I have Oscar Dansk, uh, my sweet. Okay, here. yeah. Uh, and then uh, Markstrom. I've talked a lot with Markstrom. Um I mean, all the Swedes try to be as nice, <laughs> nice to each other as possible. But yeah. yeah, I would say the Swedes, but then like all the guys in this team is great. Uh, it's an awesome group. Uh, it's very easy to, to join them. And I feel like all the new guys who's been here this, these last couple of months, too, can agree with that. Just It's an easygoing group. And I wouldn't say it's a big struggle. So, yeah. But I would say Dan for sure, because he's my Swede and I can... <laughs> Feels, feels kind of more similar and yeah, more things to talk about. Yeah, sure. no, I appreciate that. No, and it's good to hear that it's been uh, a good transition for you, man. I know it can be a lot coming over uh, to a new place, but glad that you're uh, feeling like you're fitting in well. It's been great to watch you with the Wranglers. Thanks for hopping on with us today, man. Best of luck in the last couple of games before you guys get a little bit of a break for the All-Star Week, hey? Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. No, really appreciate it. Take care, William. You too. Thank you. William Stromgren. Joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. That 
is for the uh, future of the flames brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they intend to empower cancer patients, visit oncolyticsbiotech.com. Next up for the Calgary Wranglers, they got a couple games to go before their all-star break, which is why we saw a couple of Flames transitioned after the Flames last game, PK. Uh, they got to go to Coachella Valley on Wednesday. They've also got them Thursday in Coachella Valley. They're into Ontario on Saturday, and then they get five days off before coming back to Calgary for a pair against San Diego. Yeah, it's it's been an interesting year there, and like we talked about in the the interview there with William, um, there's obviously been quite a few players moving on up from the the regulars that that have found what appear to be right now permanent homes with the Calgary Flames, and so that they've had a lot of next man up, and it, it seems like a few players have stepped up. It's going to be interesting to see that this little stretch here, while they're playing games and the Flames aren't, couple of a uh, couple of intriguing players that I think a lot of Flames fans have their eye on that could be making their way back to the big club by the time uh, the Flames are playing games again in nine days. Well, and specifically for a guy like William, I, I got to imagine he's taking on a bigger role this year than the Flames would have initially had penned for a 20-year-old in his first pro season coming over from Sweden. Just because, right. like I mentioned, you know, Brett Sutter's been hurt. Dryden Hunt's been hurt. Uh, we went through all the guys that have been call-ups that are going to be call-ups soon. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pelche and Rooney are, are probably on that list pretty shortly after the Flames get back to uh, to action after their All-Star break. So there's going to yep. be more opportunity. It's not very often that a 20-year-old that has like two games of experience from last season comes in and is like, hey, by the way, we need you to play every single night for us. Mm-hmm. Just figure out how the North American game works and... Yeah you know, play every single night. But that's why you're a second-round draft pick. It's why the organization feels very good about a guy like him, and the numbers might not jump off the page to you at nine points in 36 games, but he's got a lot of those points recently, had back-to-back two-point nights on this road trip out in California, had an assist on the last game, and, you know, for a 20-year-old to get that kind of experience in the second-best league in the world, that's good news for the Calgary Flames. Absolutely, yeah. And that that's, that is part of this play the kids mantra that the Flames have. It's not just we're going to give kids an opportunity here at the, the National Hockey League level. That is now going to give more opportunities at the American Hockey League level. And it, it seems like Stromgren is kind of working his way through some of that. Like he, he's mentioning there, he got uh, assist on the power play. That means the 20-year-old kid's playing on the power play. Uh, so that there's opportunities and, and growth there. And when, when you see, like I, I brought up with him in the, the interview, like when you see some of these guys getting called up to the NHL and kind of thriving, it, it's like, okay, I'm not that far off. If I keep doing X, Y, and Z, I, I'm going to be able to do that. You, you also heard in there the value of having the Wranglers in Calgary, right? Where he's like, you asked, like, who's helping you transition to life out here in North America? And one of the answers was Markstrom, who uh, I'm pretty sure has spent exactly zero seconds with the Wranglers this year. And so be correct. Yep. Um, ha- having him. Uh, no, having... I think you're wrong. I think he stood up for a practice with them. Oh, did, was there he like might a might have just as they were a conditioning thingy or something. yeah, I think he was yeah. just he went out for practice with them one game or uh, one afternoon. But you're, you're, you're right. Your overall point is correct. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the entire premise isn't blown up here. Um. It's it's having those guys around the NHL players and seeing what those guys are doing, but also allowing those NHL players to to help them with this transition here. And I'm sure if the the Flames were the t- or if the Wranglers were in Coachella Valley, um, Markstrom wouldn't say, "Oh, lose my number, kid." Like I'm sure there would be some kind of contact, yeah. but having them all here, I, I just think it, it's maybe not like a fifty percent difference, but it's like a five percent. Like, oh, that's that's better. 
Yeah, and that's the that's got to be super helpful. And Williams sounds like a very confident young man. I love that from a twenty year old who's like, yeah, I just came over from Sweden playing pro hockey, and it's no big deal to me. Yeah. That's incredible. Right. How many of you at twenty years old would go across the ocean to play hockey somewhere where you didn't know anybody, and were just like, yeah, it's just just another day. I'm playing hockey. I'm yeah. living life. It's been an easy transition for me. That's uh, an incredibly mature. Yeah, man, and the Wranglers conversation is really interesting to me right now, PK, because sure. going back to Saturday, uh, if you didn't notice, uh, I won't blame you, but the fourth line was stapled to the bench by Ryan Huska. Uh, the trio of youngsters that were out there did not get the job done and have clearly not been the answer for a new look fourth line. Yeah. Uh, Cole Schwint, 445. Uh, Walker Dewar, 416. That's a major disappointment coming off of a time where you were on waivers, uh, young man. Adam Klapka, 2-11 of ice time. This is going to be a different fourth line when we talk to you after the All-Star break, whether it's Rooney, whether it's Rooney and Peltier. um, I think Coronado might, you know, depending on health situations, maybe he stays down uh, if Pospisil is ready to go again, but... Wouldn't surprise me to see maybe a Clark Bishop come up again or somebody else gets a spin because mm-hmm. this fourth line was a problem before and clearly the the guys last out on Saturday didn't get the job done either in the head coach's mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can see the impact that an A.J. Greer has had on that fourth line when because uh, he like he he certainly got that sort of a treatment at times, but he was a, a bit of the straw that started the drink there. And so now you're looking for someone else to, to be able to do that and be able to, to guide those guys along. And that is going to be a, a position that's there. Also, uh, we talked about it. Pretty good chance. A couple openings come up on the blue line in the next month and a bit, you know, just a couple rather prominent players might be making their way out of town. And so there's going to be a lot of opportunities here um, for, for some players to, to come up and step up. And we've seen a lot of them do that, but now there's a chance for a, a few more to, to make their names here with the, the big club. I think we're going to see a bit of a, I guess they have all those stupid rules about call-ups and stuff after the, the, the trade deadline, but I, I think we're going to see a few different people come in here and get some run on the, the fourth line. Yeah, I, I don't, I think that they'll, uh, you know, they're going to be able to at least, you know, fill out their roster as they need to, but yeah. I'm, you know, and that was before you make that point before even, Nick DeSimone surprisingly got claimed off of waivers. There's another reason where you got to think back half of the season, would I be surprised to see 15, 20 games out of say Solovyov and Kuznetsov? 100%. Probably wouldn't stun me. Yeah. Um, And that would just continue to be more of the youth movement that we've seen here in Calgary and uh, another opportunity for some of these young guys to show uh, that maybe they can stick around and be uh, another fun, interesting conversation for us down the stretch. Uh, he's Peter Klein. I'm Logan Gordon. This is the Sports Drive at 5. It's brought to you by our friends at Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. That's putting a bow on the program this afternoon. If you missed it, Pat Steinberg is off. Finally gets to uh, <laughs> relax for uh, a week or so for the All-Star break with the Calgary Flames. So, Sportsnet today taking the uh, afternoon slot here. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's great to have PK back on the airwaves where he belongs. Uh, make sure <laughs> to check him out uh, on his personal podcast, The Couch Potato Diaries, wherever you get your podcasts. 
Uh, lots of great stuff on UFC. Did you do a Royal Rumble preview? I did a Royal Rumble preview. Yeah, my my Royal Rumble preview went a whole lot better than my uh, my NFL preview. Don't don't go back <laughs> and listen to the the the, the, the NFL preview. That that didn't. Uh, I, I I didn't shower myself in glory with that one. But no, uh, it's, it's been uh, it's been fun. Also, I do. Just if we're if we're doing plugs for your sure, boy, please. Um, in the most me thing ever, I am for at least one night the commissioner for Wild Rose Wrestling. Oh. Uh, coming up Tuesday night. Um, check my. I, I don't know. If I I feel weird plugging where it is going to be, but check out Wild Rose Wrestling tomorrow night. Uh, check out my social medias at Primetime Klein for uh, the the locations and the times and stuff like that. But uh, if you want to see me. Uh, kind of somewhat sort of potentially maybe a little bit involved in a, a pro wrestling organization tomorrow's a chance to do it the commish the commissioner Klein Klein has a nice uh, has a nice ring to the commish yeah. uh, and if you enjoyed this uh program today please check us out on the podcast google amazon spotify wherever you get your podcast we have a ton of flames talk nfl talk with emily sadler checking on the future of the flames with William Stromgren, uh, enjoyed every minute of it. And if you missed any of it live, I hope you can catch us on the podcast. Would love to have you along for the ride. Our outstanding producers on this Monday were Cam and Shan. We'll be back same time, same place on a Tuesday. Uh, even though Pat's gone, we're going to keep our uh, NHL insider Frank Saravalli around working uh, because the NHL is still going on till Wednesday. So there's still moves to be made, rumors to dive into. So we'll have Frank on the program uh, tomorrow to get you the latest from around the NHL, and we'll check in on uh, what the latest from the Calgary Flames as well. So that'll be tomorrow. Enjoy your night, PK. Yeah, you as well. Uh, thanks to Cam and Shan once again for their great work. We will be back same time, same place. Enjoy the rest of your Monday evening. Signing off here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.